Greetings and salutations, listeners. This is episode 103 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I'm joined by Dave. What's up? I'm wondering what the difference between greetings and salutations is. Um, I feel like salutations are nicer. Oh, okay. I don't just greetings or not. Well, I could be like, "Hey, what's up?" and salutations would be like, "Hey, old friend, how art thou?" <laughs> you know, I don't. Okay. I honestly don't know what the difference is, but I like that phrase. I like to spring it on people unexpectedly. Like, hey, Cam. I'm like, greetings and salutations, friend. And they just, they don't. And I'm sure they think that I'm weird, but they should probably already know that if they're my friend. <laughs> that shouldn't come as a surprise. So. Yes. I feel like greetings has to do with I see you and I welcome you. And then salutations is more of a, um, I, acknowledge you is that one in the same i think it's all about motivation <laughs> how very biblical of you dave to get down to the true the true context and intentions of in this case the speaker but in the bible the writer i tried to make that work i don't think i did i failed but anyways can i tell our listeners about something cool sure there's this thing. It's a website. Hmm. It's a place you go on the internet to to find information out. And it's called patreon.com slash supermegacorp. I haven't mentioned this in a while. No, you mostly because I've forgotten, which makes me like the worst podcast network owner ever. Um, but we have a Patreon page. And on that Patreon page, you will find a very silly video of David and I <laughs> in this very basement. And you will see all these fun little rewards on the right-hand side of the screen that for a monthly subscription, you can earn those rewards and also help support what we do here on this podcast, on Mendoza Line, on Dad College. I swear it's still a thing. And then also on uh, some of the blogs that we write. Because, you know, these things cost a little bit of money. Not a whole lot. Um, but if you have found value in this show or another show or one of our blogs or even one of my stupid YouTube videos, like all two of them that I've put up on the Super Megacorp YouTube channel, <laughs> um, and you want to support the uh, improvement and uh, ongoing creation of the things that we make, that would be really cool. And you can do that at patreon.com slash supermegacorp. The cheapest subscription is $1 a month, and they go up from there. and I would like to thank Katie, Rachel, and Wilby for being longtime patrons of Super Megacorp and uh, continually giving us money each month to help us do what we do and cover our costs. Yes, it is much appreciated. Yeah, like it's really cool. Like I was, I expected them to be like two months. Okay, I'm done. But they've all been around for multiple, multiple, multiple months uh, supporting us on Patreon, and I just wanted to say thanks. I don't shout you guys out enough. Um, so yeah, go to patreon.com slash supermegacorp. There'll be a link in the show notes and you can see, um, the fun rewards. And, you know, if you, if you want to give us some, some cash, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> in fact, we encourage you. Yes, indeed. My hair is much longer than what it is in the video. Okay. Describe much. 
I suppose when your hair is about that, it's about two inches long versus a quarter or a eighth of an inch yeah, long. When your hair is that short, percentages do uh, tend to uh, skew towards uh, big change. Yes, it's not a great video, but I thought it was at least a little funny. Lighting's not very good, but hey, spur it's of the a moment. basement, indeed. I'm just trying to bring it to you real, authentic, raw. Yeah. So, anyways, let's move on mm-hmm. before I continue saying dumb things. Is there anything that you want to bring to the listeners' attention before we boldly go where no masterclass has ever gone before? Nope, I'm good. If I think about it, I'm probably going to put the Star Trek theme song in there for like two seconds. <laughs> if you're listening to this and I didn't do it, because either I forgot or because I'm lazy. But just know, after I made the boldly go statement, there was supposed to be the Star Trek theme song. Yeah. I and that's a split infinitive. What? <laughs> okay, Professor Dave. Remind everyone what a split infinitive is. It, it should actually be go boldly and not boldly go. Because the... Adverb should come after the verb. Ah, so why why is it a split infinitive and not a, a misplaced adverb? <laughs> God, English is the worst language. It, it it is. I I guess it's split because the the verb is in the wrong place and it splits it. So I think it has something to do with like where the preposition is too. So boldly go. So to, so I think it's because it should be to go boldly instead of to boldly go. I think the preposition splits the preposition and the verb, and that's why it's a split infinitive. All right. Well, that got into some serious grammar nerdery. Uh, I'm trying to look up the exact phrasing of the statement. I just always use that when I know, when I'm trying to remember how to use my adverbs. I know that the to, bold, to, to boldly go is incorrect. Yeah, it says, these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission. To, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah. All right. And of course, the uh, masculine pronoun there is a microaggression. So I think you just made that word up. Microaggression? Microaggression? Mi- microaggression. Oh, no. Trust me. It's a very real thing. Is that is that also known as Napoleon syndrome? <laughs> Could be, but no. Micro All right. Well, this has been um, grammar lessons with Professor Dave. No, that's 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 part of the whole political correctness world that we live in now. What? If I use he pronoun, that is a microaggression against oh, women. Gotcha. And so I was like, what does what does aggression have to do with grammar? No, so that's basically gotcha. Instead of he, I should say people or something more inclusive. It's the world I live in. 
So the Paris Accord, no, <laughs> not going there. Um, what 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 are we doing for this episode, Dave? Because we are breaking about... away from the Book of Matthew for the first time since Jane. Well, first time ever, ever, ever. Yes, in this our one hundred and third edition, one hundred three. So we're leaving Matthew behind. We are leaving Matthew behind. Gone, but not forgotten. Gone and I've forgotten. We may return. I'm betting we probably will at some point, but yeah. So where uh where are we heading? What uh what new land are we going to Well I don't explore? think we've totally decided a regular schedule. I'm um, yeah, I mean for this episode. So for this episode we're looking at Acts twenty. Uh in particular it's a verse thirty five, so this would be one of those places where if you have a red-letter Bible, uh, the words of Jesus are in red. And I know for me personally, it's not something I typically think of as a a place to uh, encounter what Jesus said, but it is. It is very much a place where that happens, so that's why we're doing that. Do you have a red-letter Bible? Uh, I do not have a red little Bible that I read on a regular basis, but I do have a red letter app on my phone. And so the ESV Bible that I have on my, my, uh, my phone does put in red letters. Wow looks pretty rad against your black background. I do like the back, black background, yeah. Yeah, I like the back black background. Uh because I do occasionally wake up in the middle of the night and I will reach over and pick up my phone and read a verse or two from the Bible. And if you have the black background, it's easier to read. Yeah, it doesn't melt your eyeballs at like doesn't three annoy, in the morning. Doesn't annoy the wife. But I don't have my readers, so it's at full arm length away from me as I lay in bed. All right, you wanna you wanna do the honors? Sure. Uh so wasn't quite sure how far back I was gonna go on this. Um I'm gonna start verse twenty nine. So Acts twenty twenty nine, and this is um, Paul getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He is saying goodbye uh, to those folks that are near and dear to him, and these are these are kind of his. Well, they are his parting words um, before he uh, gets on the ship to leave. So twenty nine. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men uh, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among you all, those who are sanctified. 
I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered my necessities to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And now when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the words he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. All right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. So where do you want to start? This was, this was your suggestion, so I'm going to let you steer for a bit. Um, well, first of all, I will just say that um, I ran across this because of... Um, and this is something that we should probably put in the show notes because I think it's on Vimeo. Or what is that what it's called? Vimeo? Vimeo? Vimeo, yes. <laughs> Vimeo. Vimeo. Uh, is, Gar- is Garrison Keeler. Okay. Tim Keller. <laughs> I don't know where Garrison Keeler came from. <laughs> Lake Wobegon. Yes. So, yeah. The blessings of giving Tim Keller on Vimeo. Um, in that, that talk, if, if, uh, at this point in the podcast, you stop now and you go to Vimeo and you watch Timothy Keller present his speech on that, then your life will be much richer than if you hadn't. So this is one of the few times I would encourage you to, to go to something over the podcast. Um, cause I happen to be at a, um, training a seminar or workshop on uh generosity and they played that video and i was just really struck by the fact that i had really never thought about um this verse before and first and foremost this is nowhere else in the bible this is not in the gospel so the whole uh it's better to give uh, than to receive uh clearly is something that is on Paul's heart, something that he has heard Jesus say, and that while it's not in the gospel, it is something that Paul, in this moment of, I'm leaving you, you're probably never going to see me again, I'm heading out, and, you know, Paul's got a pretty hefty reputation at this point, and so as he's sharing with the disciples and the, the followers of Christ in the early church, this to him was what he felt like was the most important thing to share uh, with the people who were there. Although it was not something that was reported in the gospel. And if you had asked me before reading this verse and seeing the Timothy Keller video and all that is the phrase, it's better to give than receive in the Bible. I would have said, no, I would have said, this is kind of up there with, with uh, the Lord helps those who help themselves or and cleanliness is next to God. <laughs> you know, just things that, that, that kind of get put into scripture that aren't, but this is truly one of those things where um, when we say it is better to give than to receive, uh, this is Paul uh, quoting Jesus is something that Jesus said. And it's clearly something that is incredibly uh, important to Paul for this to be part of what he decides to say as his, as his parting words. 
the other thing that um, that stands out to me, and I may be a little bit uh, controversial in this, um, I, as somebody who used to get paid uh, to be a professional Christian, <laughs> i.e. I was in full-time ministry and on a church staff, have often wrestled with the whole concept of getting paid to do ministry. Now, don't get me wrong. I certainly think that there is a place for that, and um, it is appropriate for people to get paid to be a pastor and to do those jobs. Uh, Where I personally started to wrestle with it was being at a large church that had multiple people on staff where I just started to question how much of what I do as my job should actually be being done by volunteers, should be being done by the body of Christ um, who gets paid. So in this, I very much get the sense from Paul that he, and, I, and maybe I'm reading more in there than is, is supposed to be, but I very much get this, this sense from Paul of, you know, he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You know, he says, these hands ministered to my necessities, which to me basically says I worked to provide for myself. Um, in fact, this is, a, this is a conversation that I've had with a friend at work mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, God will provide. What is exactly does that mean? Well, God, God will provide. And um, to be candid, um, this was... Um, Something I haven't shared on here before, but um, my daughter was recently engaged to be married, and she is no longer going to do that. Uh, they have her and her fiance have, have since gone their separate ways, and it's still very fresh, very new. So we don't know ultimately where that's going to end up. But uh, in all that, um, had kind of a discussion of uh, ultimately what does that mean um, that God will provide. And uh, I think even in all that, um, there are those of us who are called to give to ministries, to give to missionaries, to give to pastors, to give to churches, um, to help them do their work. So... um, I don't know that I have... A particular answer in all this, but this verse for me was a very timely verse in terms of meaning. Um, as I as I wrestle with my own generosity and what does it mean to be generous, uh, what does it mean to give, and uh, what does it mean to um, support a ministry? Uh, because even in all that, if you ask me, what one of my biggest fears would be. Uh, it would be that God asked me to take a position in life where I have to ask people for money because I don't like that. So thoughts. Um, yeah, the, the idea of God providing and what that actually means is I think of more interest to me. Because, like, I think this statement, it is more blessed to give than receive, is pretty straightforward. As far as, like, conceptually, it's easy to understand what he means. 
Absolutely. Yes. Now, carrying it out is the tricky part. Mm-hmm. You know, in your in your life, to not be selfish, but to be selfless and to give, as opposed to want to take or to covet or to be greedy. Like that. That's where the rub is for me on this. Is yeah, in theory, sure, it's more blessed to give than receive. Yeah, absolutely agree. Now, who wants to pay for my lunch? Because, you know, like. <laughs> I will allow. I will gladly allow you to be blessed in giving me my exactly. lunch. Exactly, <laughs> you know, or even like, okay, what if what if money is a struggle in the sense that every month it's hard to know if your bills and needs are going to be met. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that giving and receiving is strictly limited to money? No, no, I don't think that that at all. Um, I think it's time i think it's love i think it's attention i think it's um you know caring i think it's uh physical goods i think you know like emotional support like all of that stuff it is better to give than to receive in the sense that yeah you can be a blessing to that person you can be the hands and feet of god to that person to meet the need that they have um and and I guess then my follow up question is then is 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 you giving to person A who needs X is that you providing it or is that God providing it through you? And you know is, what was I talking? I had a conversation with my dad a while ago about something, and like it was when the lotto was like you know, like last year it was like over five hundred million dollars. Just it was just stupid large. And I jokingly asked him, semi-seriously, because, you know, my inheritance would, uh, are you going to buy a lotto ticket? And he said, no, if God wants me to win the lotto, he'll give me the money. And I was just like, um, time out, rewind, terrible theology. You don't get, you have to buy a ticket to get, if God wants you to win, you still got to buy the ticket. Because he's not just going to manifest a ticket that wasn't purchased and rig the entire computer system. He's not a crook. <laughs> and so, like, that, like, whenever I think of God's provision, I think about that conversation. It's like, yeah, God will provide, as he says he will, but he's not going to bend the fabric of space-time outside of a few occasions, like the manna. Mm-hmm. For the Israelites, they still had to collect it. They still had to follow rules. They couldn't collect too much or it would go rotten, right? Um, provided an exit for the Israelites by you know parting the Red Sea, but Moses still had to obey and still had to do what he had to do to open it. Um, and so I guess I think the, the thing for me when it comes to God will provide is just this this mentality we have at least in my experience as a suburban American, that stuff should just be done for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that God is um, a bit more interested in our proactiveness for a lot of that stuff. Like, why is prayer a thing? We approach God, right? 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't just come knock on our door and say, hey, is it okay? Should I come back when you're done playing Halo? Because I know you're busy right now. Mm-hmm. We are the ones that are supposed to approach him. We are the ones that are supposed to bring our concerns, our desires to him. Not the other way around. Yeah, and I would even say that the scripture tells us that, let's say God is busy playing Halo. Guess what? We're supposed to annoy him until he puts the controller down and answers our prayer. I mean, we're supposed to get in front of the TV and wave our hands and... I just don't want him to throw a sticky grenade at me. (laughs) Takes me back to middle school. But, yeah, but, you know, I, I think scripture tells us that we're actually supposed to hound him. And I don't know how many of us do that. I, it's truly become one of the tests that I have for my children. When they ask me for something of substance, one of the gauges I use is, is do they continue to ask for this? Is this a fleeting moment while we're in the store? Is this a fleeting moment because a friend has it? Is this, or is it, okay, this is three months now. And my daughter is consistently saying, hey, Dad, I want X. And I think God's a little bit that way, too, of is this something you really want? Because if you really want it, you're not going to just forget about it. You're going to hound me about it. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, there's multiple things that go into that and maybe is a whole different discussion. But um, I think one of the factors in God answering prayers, how important is it to us? in terms of how consistently do we ask. And when I say ask, I mean go to prayer and, and ask him to answer that prayer. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole can of worms right there. <laughs> to use not the most accurate statement, but I think the, the point is made. It's just as far as like how important prayer has become or not become, depending on your church tradition and where you grew up um, and what prayer is supposed to be about. And um, I don't know. I think we're, we're, we're in danger of getting away from, because I know I kind of want to run with that, but I don't think that's necessarily what this, <laughs> where we're at, what this passage is about. <laughs> okay. So I want to respect, you know, Sounds good. I don't want our first episode outside of Matthew to be a total derailment of, What's going on? So, all right, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I think, as we said before, we both kind of agree, uh, duh. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess my question to you, um, off of what I said earlier, is why is it so easy to say, yeah, that makes sense, but then also so easy to ignore it in our lives? Uh, I I think one of the first reasons is... is, um, that's not what we are told. Um, and I don't think that's what probably what most of us have modeled for us. So in terms of, you know, growing up, is that something that we see? Is that modeled for us? Um, and I, I personally don't believe it is. I also think that the world tells us to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think the world tells us to, um, work hard for things and that mentality of, um, you know, I earned this, this is a, this is a result of my hard work. And just because somebody else has, doesn't have it, um, 
we are, well, I'll just say for me personally, I think the concept of, well, they didn't work for it. They didn't work very hard for it. And so, I, and I think that's a lie. Uh, I, I do believe that um, some of us have uh, benefits and opportunities that others don't. And that when we find ourselves in those situations, we need to take a step back and, and, and really realize um, how we've been blessed. And then I think the second part of that is, is we have this concept of this is mine because I earned it. This is mine because I worked hard for it. When the reality is, is God is saying, no, God is, tells us throughout scripture that no, everything is mine. And uh, that includes your position in life, your place in life. And so um, I th- would hope that as we spend time in Scripture and as, as we try to go cl- closer to God, uh, we start to realize um, that it is not ours, that it is His. And uh, I think that's going to be one of those things that on Judgment Day, we're going to have to be accountable for, you know, God telling us he gave us these things. What did we do with them? And being like, well, I bought a new car with it. I bought a new stereo. I bought whatever gadget. I bought, you know, whatever it was that I bought to make myself more comfortable, more happy. I'm not saying that those things are, again, inherently bad. All God is the giver of all good things. But when we consistently choose to give it to ourselves over others, um, I think that's part of it. Uh, I know for me personally, uh, when I think about success in life, that's the other piece of it. Um, you know, um, I think it's okay that my wife and I are in the house, our family's in the house that we're in. But when we were discussing why we chose this house and why we are where we are, there is an element of, well, we just did it because that's what you're supposed to do. Well, we're making X amount of money. We can afford it. So go buy the bigger house, you know? And it's just sort of like, now that we're here, I, I, I don't want to sound like we're ungrateful or that we're miserable, but it's just sort of like, yeah, this really is not necessary. We don't need such a big house. It's nice. Thank you. So, you know, uh, uh, little things like that. Um, so better to give than to receive. Um, coming from a 21st century perspective, uh, in America, uh, I think one of the simple answers is, uh, that's what we are taught. That's what we see modeled for us, whether that be within the home and our family of origin or whether that's just the world in general. Uh, I think the second piece of that is, is I think it's part of fallen sinful nature, uh, to want things. Um, you know, I, I think of Old Testament uh, battles uh, where God gives victory uh, to a certain group, and then they go and they pillage the the the, the to the vic, to the vic, the spoils of victory. To the victor goes the spoils. Thank you. Yes. And again, I don't think there's anything inherently evil in that or wrong in that. But there's specific times from the Bible where God's like, "Don't do that." And they still do it. And And then they they hide it. And then they get killed. Yeah. So I think there's an element of it's just our human nature to want uh, those things. 
I think that's fair. Um, I had a really good point that I wanted to discuss, but now I've got to the Victor go the spoil stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, I was thinking while you were talking, you know, about giving versus receiving. And I was really hoping, as I said, that it was going to come back to me. So uh, bear with me for just a moment. I figured it out, Dave. Okay. <laughs> it only took me a little bit. Uh, so one of the, th- the thoughts that I have that I try and like justify my non-giving nature mm-hmm. with is, well, when I have more, I will readily give more because I'll have more to give. You know, so if money's really, really tight, which it is right now, I don't want to give because I need the money. Right. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, if I ever, you know, make a notable surplus, I'll, I'll surely give money away then. You know, um, or if I'm like not really emotionally available just because things are happening and I'm, you know, just not ready to you know, give the emotional availability to my wife or one of my friends who's going through the draft. Oh, but when I'm, when life settles down for me, I'll gladly have that emotional availability for somebody else to give them the, the ear or the shoulder they need. And then I realize, like, no, that's not, that's not true. Because what you do with a little is what you do with a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And how you are as a person in the tough times is like that just kind of reflects who you really are and who you really are. Doesn't change when you have excess. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know where I heard it said, but it said that all money, all money does is reveal who you really are. So the more money you have, you just act like yourself even more. <laughs> so if you were a jerk, when you were poor, you're going to be a giant jerk when you're rich, or if you were giving and humble and caring when you were poor, you're going to be, even more so when you're rich and um and I don't know where I heard that or if that's you know gospel, but to me it's like I'm so focused on oh well, when I have more, then I'll give what I have, and that's my justification for not wanting to give now, oh, but I need, but I need, but my oh here's but my baby needs. You know, and and hiding behind, you know, it's like, do we really need? No, like, we have a three-bedroom house. It's not a huge house, but it's nice. Yeah. Could we live in a smaller house? Yeah. Could yeah. we live in an apartment? <laughs> Absolutely. Would I like living in an apartment better? Probably. <laughs> less space means less stuff. No lawn to mow. Um, but it's just, you know, as you were talking, I, I had that thought. And I was just like, no, that is such a childish way of thinking. To think that I'm all of a sudden going to change my behavior and my outlook on life and where I place value just simply because life is easier in whatever category we're talking about. Mm. There's excess, there's less stress. Like, whether it's money or time or emotional availability or... You know, whatever it is that someone wants me to give them. Or I feel like I should give to someone because they're in need, but I haven't even asked. But I'm just like, nope, can't do it. Don't have the margin. It's like That's not, that's not a um, symptom of a lack of stuff. That's a symptom of my sinful nature that clearly is still an issue for me. Mm-hmm. 
Because um, guess what? Before we had a baby and we had a lot of margin, guess what I didn't do? <laughs> Give money away. I was super stingy with it because I wanted a new camera lens or, you know. And so like, I know this like as a fact in my life. When there was margin, when there was padding, when there was... Oh, there's two design terms. Sorry. That's my day job coming through. Um, like when we had excess money and we could spend, you know, that excess money and still have money to fall on, I wasn't giving it away. I was being really stingy with it. And that to me is just a, a clear sign that the issue is me and not the, you know, budget or the, the number in my account. It, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with me. So that's no fun. No. So a uh, couple of different things that have come to my mind. Um, we can put this in the show notes as well. Uh, if you are so inclined and curious about your uh, level of wealth. Oh, we're going to, I know where you're going. The global rich yeah. list. Have we talked about that already? It's been a long, long time, but we'll put it in the show notes for sure. So if you are inclined to kind of go, where am I in the whole scheme of things? Go to global, G-L-O-B-A-L, richlist, R-I-C-H-L-I-S-T dot com. So global rich list, all one word dot com. And you can enter in how much it is that you make. And then it'll let you know um, where you fall on the rich list. And on my salary alone, not including my wife's, I am in the top 0.09% richest people in the world by income. Top 0.9? Point zero, like point, sorry, point zero point nine. Zero nine yeah, percent. Just, just your income? Just mine without my wife. Dang. So, yes. And 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 trust me, it, it it's one of those deals where if you go do this, you'll you'll be surprised at how little in terms of American income you need to make to be in that. And then the, what uh what number are you that makes you the what richest person on earth by income? Um well I'll tell you this that if you include me and my wife's income <laughs> it goes up. We are the two hundred and two million six hundred and thirty six thousandth richest person. All right. Well, and good let, for you. let's say, which we are not. So let's say you're a millionaire. Well, you make a million dollars a year. You have a million dollars a year. You're in, uh, well, one million would make you 578,000. And we're talking about, are we at 7 billion people in the world now? Between uh, yeah. six and seven? Uh, global, we're getting really close to seven if we haven't crossed it yet. So then it gives you little things like, uh, the average laborer in Ghana makes 7.5 billion, 7.5. So we're over 7 billion. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So 500,000 is a drop in the bucket when you're talking about 7.5 billion. I just don't think we ever quite comprehend just how many, a billion really is. 
But the average laborer in Ghana makes eight cents an hour. And they'll give you some of those little um Millionaire makes five hundred and twenty dollars and eighty three cents per hour. Yeah. I gotta start charging more, man. Yeah. Yeah, Indonesia, the average laborer makes thirty nine cents in the same time. Yeah. And there's like this little statistic. Thirsty, it'll only take you a few seconds to earn enough for a refreshing can of cola. If the average laborer in Ghana fancies one, they'll have to work around seven hours for it. So little things like that of just again, this is um this is about just putting things in perspective. So then the second piece in all this, I have a friend at work who um I would say he is um I, I would describe him as somebody that is is learning about God and discovering where he stands with God and where he is in his faith. And as we were talking about the whole concept of, you know, God will provide, he very genuinely said, well, doesn't like God provide mean like he gave me two good legs and two good arms and a brain that works? Does that not God providing for me? And I said, yes, very much so. And, uh, I know we've already covered it, and we've, uh, well, actually, I'll use a different verse. I'll use Luke twelve twenty four. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. The thing is, is if you watch a bird throughout the day, and in particular for me, um, as I look out my office window, I see robins throughout the day. They are. It, it, they just seem like they are constantly doing something. It seems like they're looking for food, or they're building a nest, or, or you know, it's not like they're just sitting around looking at the sky with their mouth open. Yeah, they open. Got, they got no Netflix to watch, so they got to do something. Yeah, so, so, so they're busy all day. Um, there, there, there's times for binge watching. Not every day, but <laughs> there are times for binge watch, binge watching things on. But as I look at birds in, in the scriptures that refers to birds, and there's quite a few of them actually, they're not sitting around doing nothing. They are very much kind of working hard throughout the day. Now, don't get me wrong. If God is calling you to be a missionary or God is calling you to do something where you raise support, so be it. I, that, I, I, I definitely think there is a place for that. Well, and I think that could be a way of God providing for those people. Absolutely. Like, I don't think God providing is a homogenous phrase. Like, if you look at God's character and God's activity and God's creation, nothing is the same, right? Like, we could have bird and we could have dog, but instead we have birds and dogs. Mm -hmm. Different species, different colors, different sizes. Some birds that don't even fly. They got goofy long necks and goofy long, and they run faster in snot, and they taste really good. Speaking of ostriches, of course. Birds that swim, like penguins. I was going to say, I thought you were eating penguins. They don't have goofy <laughs> long necks and goofy long legs. No, they don't. But, but my point is, fly. like, my point is, if God, in my estimation, clearly loves diversity, in the things that he's created, why would his provision be homogenous, right? Mm -hmm. Why would he not provide differently for the different needs of his different people? Absolutely. Seems to make sense to me. Yep. And yeah, um, 
you know, scripture is full of times where God does provide. I would argue that there is an element of obedience on the part of person of the person allowing God to provide. Um and not just waiting for him to do something. Um you know, even in the manna that we referred to earlier, which is I believe in Exodus, I'm not exactly sure what chapter. I'm guessing one of the later ones, but I think that's a safe bet. <laughs> um you know, their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out. But there was very much a context for that. There was something going on where that's what they were called to be. And for me personally, I just feel like I've experienced some times where I feel like people are looking for that experience for the experience sake and not so much because that is what God has called them to do. And I, I personally believe that we have uh, an obligation to do those things and that, you know, saving for retirement is appropriate. You know, planning for our, our future is appropriate. Um, I don't remember what book it is, but I know Francis Chan is one of those people that um, he shares. I, don't, I really don't remember what book it is, unless you might remember, but like kind of like, you know, cashed out his, his retirement plan and, you know, literally gave away everything he, he possibly had to allow God to provide for him and his family. And that's terrifying. It is terrifying, but I think that needs to be a specific call on your life by God and not just something you do just because you're like, oh, that'd be really cool to do. Francis Chan did it. I'm going to do it. I believe Francis Chan did it because he was in the word. He was seeking God and felt like that was a very clear thing that God had told him that he was supposed to do. So more power to him. (laughs) Absolutely. and I would even say that if, as you look through Scripture, you know, the idea of working hard and saving and providing for your family is probably the um, closer to the norm of what God is calling us as individuals to do and as followers of Him to do. Um, but there are those unique individuals that He calls to those kinds of, of experiences. So I don't want to negate them and say that that never happens. But I think what's wrong is to look at him and say, okay, he's doing it, so I'm going to do it, versus I've spent time in the Word, I've spent time praying, I've spent Mm -hmm. time seeking God, and I feel like this is what he is saying to me personally. Agreed. And I also think that we, as the body of Christ, have an obligation to do... um, those things that people in the church often get paid to do. And we probably need to step up and provide much like Cam was saying, it's not just about our money, but it's about how we are gifted. Um, It's about giving of our time. And sometimes it's as simple as just being present with somebody, just being available. Um, Nothing. Um, and even as I say this, I don't. I, I feel like it falls short because it is something significant, you know, in terms of of the kingdom of God. Spending time with somebody 
could be the most valuable thing in the world to that person. Mm -hmm. Where to us, it just seems like, well, I gave them a few hours and hung out and listened to what they had to say. And, you know. But that can be an absolute burden lifter for that person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You never know. You never know. Never know. Well, that's all I've got. Do you have any other thoughts? I'm genuinely about to fall asleep. <laughs> Not because this conversation has been stimulated, but because it's just, it's been a long two weeks. And I hear it you is 10 that. o'clock at night. At the end and of the my week. baby is gone. So I'm going to sleep like a freaking like champ a, tonight. A 12 hour. <laughs> yeah. So, but if you have more to talk about, we will talk about it. We'd love to hear from uh, you. Oh, oh. Mm, okay. And here's the other thing is even if you listen to like, okay, so we're on episode 103. You just listened to episode 56. Let us know. They're not going to know. What would you mean? If, if they're on 56, they're not going to get to 103 <laughs> for like another year. To, to hear us telling them now that, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So, Well, okay. If you're listening to, one, if you're listening to episode 103 and it's, you know, November of 2017 instead of May, guess what? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. And if it's 2012, no, that'd be backwards. That, oh, my gosh, Dave. <laughs> 2022 there we go if it's five years in the future we'd love to hear from you mm-hmm. we so. would yep. so reach out to us let us know what you think yeah links uh in the show notes to dave's twitter at david j hogue i'm at cam brennan or you can email us hello at supermegacorp.net and if it's somehow 2022 and you're just listening to this and twitter is dead and that email doesn't exist just search on social media. I'm always Cam Brennan. I get it before the other Cam Brennans can. And I'm always David J. Hogue. So there you go. Whatever. That's how I distinguish myself from all the other. Yeah. Whatever the, the new social there. media hotness is in 2022, just look there. Hopefully I'm retired from my current job by then. Well, if that's the case, then I will. I will. I don't know. I can't join you. I've got like <laughs> so long before that. Anyways, that episode's over. 103 in the books. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.